For our topic, though, today, let's go to Hebrews chapter 6 and verse 1, and let's pick this up together here. Here's what it says is valuable for our time together today. It says, so let us stop going over the basic teachings about Christ again and again. Let us go on instead and become mature in our understanding. Surely we don't need to start again with fundamental importance of repenting from evil deeds and placing our faith in God. Here's what the writer of Hebrews is saying. It's like, hey, in the life of the believer, you ought to be maturing. Let's get past the elementary basic teachings. What is that? He references a little bit of it here. It's like, if you're still in the same mode of the same sin and going back to the same things and over and over, and God forgive me, and now I need you, and like, it's kind of basic. You ought to be advancing. There ought to be newer challenges and things that God is revealing to you for whatever is next as you advance on in maturity in your spiritual growth. It's like that in, in marriage, right? Well, first of all, when you enter into a relationship with God, that's a covenant. God has provided covenant through the gift of his son, Jesus Christ, the new covenant. When you enter into marriage, it is also a covenant as designed by God between you, your spouse, and God. And it's very powerful. And in the covenant of marriage, uh, can I tell you that what makes a great marriage that grows is it's two people advancing on, maturing on that, that spiritual journey, right? And so nobody wants to be married to somebody for 10, 15 years, and the person they're married to is still in the very basics of the relationship, right? We got to be advancing we ought to be advancing on, right? No woman, and I'll, I'll put it in terms of, of this way because I've been around this long enough to know, no, no woman wants to keep dragging along her man for 10, 15, 20 years to try to get him to grow up, right? You didn't want to marry somebody who stayed in elementary ways of living, right? And then this, of course, leads to a problem where the man is frustrated because she's always trying to pull him along. She doesn't want to, but she's always trying to pull him along, and the man says, well, I didn't want to marry my mama, well, she don't want to be your mama, and you don't want to make love to your mama. <laughs> Let's just be honest about it. You don't want that, and she don't want that, and how do we resolve that? We decide we're motivated to create what would be a healthy marriage, again, by two people maturing. If you're still arguing in 15 years in marriage over the same things that you always argued over, you're not maturing. People will say, well, you know what makes a great marriage? We just fall in love all over again every day. And, and I don't want to take, if maybe this really happens. You know, I, I don't know. But here's what I know. I know that great marriage, it, there's a work. There's a process of growing. We don't stay stuck in elementary school. We, we are advancing continually together again on this journey of maturation. Spiritually, emotionally, relationally, physically, all that. We're, it's happening all together. The, the reality is people that have been married 20, 30, 40, 50, 60, 70 years, that's a miracle. That's God showing off because two people decided to immerse in this growth journey together. Now, with that said, God wants you to grow up in your relationship with him. He does not want you to stay in kind of basic mode, of course. And so I put this in your notes if you're taking notes. God's will is for every person and to experience personal growth and maturity. You're here today and you're an unbeliever. God wants you to experience that. Your first step is to have a relationship with him through the gift of Jesus Christ. But then 
He wants all you, every one of us, those of us who have been believers for however many years, we're still continuing to grow. And that's why this series has been important. No matter where you are on the spiritual journey, you should have a desire to allow God to continue to advance you on in maturity. Let me just say, why is it that God wants us to advance on and keep growing? I'll tell you, I put three reasons in my notes. They're not in yours, but I just wrote these down uh, I, I know that it's all really ultimately what God wants for me in my life. And, and I wrote this down. God wants to open the floodgates of heavens of blessings over my life. He, he wants that. And when you follow God and you grow with God, you experience more of his blessings. God wants to. The second thing I wrote down is when I'm following God and hearing his voice regularly, he wants to keep me away from as much harm as possible. And that puts me in what I would call the umbrella of protection. Uh, is, oh, there's an umbrella of blessing and protection that you experience when you follow God more and more in your life. And the third thing is, the more I'm maturing in my faith, the greater I become for others. And what is a key element of the growth of our faith? We experience Jesus Christ, and then as we're growing with God, we're able to care about and invest in more in others. And when you're maturing in your faith, it helps others around you. I put in your notes, though. Let's, let's address this real quick before we get too far down the road. What maturity is not? And I put a few things in your notes to kind of, let's, let's clear the air and say, okay, what maturity is not? Maturity that we're talking about spiritually here in our time together today has nothing to do with age. In other words, you could have, we know this to be true, right? Somebody who's 70 years old but new in the faith and they're, they're very much uh, starting in the elementary teachings of the faith. And you could have somebody else who's you know, 25 and they've been just on a trajectory of great maturity in the faith. Of course, the way God has it set up uh, uh, would be that you would come to know uh, God at a young age and then you're, uh, you are growing with age and maturity together. But it doesn't always happen that way. And so let's make sure we understand that it's not about age. There are people who have been Christians for decades and they are not maturing in their faith. The next thing is this. It's not appearance. Maturity is not about appearance. And there are some people, the way that they dress and the way that they operate, they look very dignified and very holy. And they look like they've got it all together. And, and wow, that, that's really amazing. But what we know is that the maturity that we're talking about here today is not about the outward show. And this has been a problem in church in America. We know this. There's been a great dependency on putting on a show in the way that we dress, but there's really not a spiritual growth taking place underneath. And I don't want to bemoan anybody who loves to dress up for, like, for church. I think that, that's awesome. But we understand there has become a time here in America where it was all about the dress up. And it wasn't about the actual steps of, of maturity. Uh, here's the next thing I, I wrote down. It's not about achievement. It's not about, you know, it's just you know, some sort of prizes that we're, we're, we're pointing to. We won. It's not about, it's not about a, a one moment either. It, it's really about maturity is about really growing, right? Uh, it, God doesn't want us to be one-hit wonders, there's an important first hit in our spiritual journey that is when we come to know Christ. That's a big moment. But God doesn't want us to stop there. He wants us to continue to advance on more and more as we grow in maturity. And then it's not about academics. 
And there are many people that want to boast about their studies, right? But they're not actually growing and maturing in the faith. And you see this a lot. And, and there'd be people who, again, they've been to lots of education. And I, and I lo- hey, look, I love it. You know, for me, I went to high school, of course, then went to, did four years of college, graduated there, wanted to become a pastor, two years of studies there, and, and training and all that went in with that. And I, I can remember this. I had all that training, and the first day our church started 18 years ago, I felt like, I don't know what I'm doing here. And, and so, like, it was it, it, all the academics, yet I had to, to keep on learning and maturing on, on the journey. And so all of that, just to say, hey, let's set the record straight and understand what maturity is not. And then what I decided to do was put in your notes, what does the pattern of maturity kind of look like? People who are on a pattern to continue to grow in their spiritual life. What is that exactly? And, and if you remember uh, uh, last week, I talked about the value of the pattern, how setting healthy patterns, and you know, if you're going to make a change, you, you've got to decide patterns matter. And when you're young, I, you get in, you're in a home and your mother and your father, through their relationship or their marriage being strong and their spirituality, you know, these, they teach you patterns. And they say, hey, young woman, young man, you're about to leave our home. We've instilled these patterns for all the years of your life that are healthy. And now we've put them in you. So now you'll leave and you'll experience these healthy patterns in your own life. And I said last week that that's problematic for some people because they got none of that. But as I said last week, you're not left on an island to figure out the pattern that will produce successful living. And I said last week, here, here's some great patterns spiritually. Uh, number one is multi- you're finding yourself multiple times a day praying consistently. That's a pattern that produces better results. I said last week, uh, you're in a pattern of Bible study consistently in, in your life. You're in a pattern of attending church. You don't bemoan attending church. You want to be there. Those patterns matter because God's word says it matters. And you want to be in church and and patterns of serving and patterns of honoring God financially. And they're established in your life and helping you to produce long-term healthier results. Let me give you a pattern for healthy maturity in your life. And we're going to look at a guy in the scriptures. His his name is Noah. And maybe you've heard of Noah and the ark. As a matter of fact, a few months ago, I did just a little piece talking about him. Uh, But I want to kind of look at Noah's life and let you see what a pattern of maturity can be for you and I. And so I put this in your notes. The first step to deciding you want to grow is to decide you want to hear what he says. God, what God says. People who are advancing in maturity are in position to consistently hear what God says. Let me talk to you about Noah. We're going to look in Genesis chapter 6, but before we get to Genesis 6, let's, let's just understand where we are in this moment in history. In Genesis chapter 4, what we discover is that the earth is, is, is advancing, like world, the world. People are advancing, not just little towns now, but, but cities, not just little homes, but bigger homes. The, the world is advancing using tools. People are getting married. There's an economic boom. And in this moment where we consider Noah... Though there's an economic boom, God's about to lower the boom. And let's pick it up in Genesis chapter 6, and here's what it says in verse 11. Now the earth was corrupt in God's sight, and it was full of violence. Okay, it's booming. The world is booming, but it's corrupt. Can the world 
seemingly be booming economically and also be corrupt? Absolutely. Look at 2024. There's a lot of boom and there's a lot of corruption, right? And so it can, it can happen. And so then it just says, God saw how corrupt the earth had become for all the people on the earth had corrupted their ways. And so God said, God is speaking, God's revealing to who? To Noah. He says, I'm going to put an end to all the people for the earth is filled with violence because of them and I am surely going to destroy both them and the earth. Uh, Noah's doing his thing and uh, all of a sudden God says, I, I want to reveal something to you, Noah. And so Noah gets an email from God and it says to Noah from God, subject line, destroying the earth. And that's a, that's a tough one, you know, like when you get that kind of, that kind of message and, and I would be, you know, that'd be, it'd be hard to say, okay, what, what am I doing with this? But what does Noah do? He continues to hear. He continues to listen. That's the proper mentality to be ready to take whatever the next step is. God, I want to hear what you're revealing to me in my life. And so here's what it says. So make yourself an ark of cypress wood. Make rooms in it and coat it with pitch inside and out. This is how you are to build it. The ark is to be 450 feet long, 75 feet wide, 45 feet high. Make a roof for it. Finish the ark within 18 inches of the top. Put a door on the side of the ark. Make lower, middle, and upper decks. You're getting this. God's speaking. You're Noah. You're like, uh, what? Wait, what? 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 What are we doing here? What am I building? What am I building? And why would I be building this? And I said this a few months ago. You have to, again, understand what makes this a little bit unusual is because well, it had never rained, and we're preparing, it seems like, for rain, and the nearest body of water is 100, 150 miles away, and yet we're building this thing. And what I said was, you know, many times when you're on a journey with God, I said this a few months ago, like, you might be following God, and people might just not get it around you. They may not understand, right? This is what's probably happening here for Noah. He's going to go out on his lawn and build this boat. It would be the equivalent of maybe it's not so far-fetched on this cold morning here in Florida, but if I was out in my front lawn today building a snowmobile, and you would say, bro, it has not, like, we're not getting enough snow for you ever to use. If it ever snowed, it wouldn't be enough for you to use a snowmobile. And, and I might say, well, you know, God told me I'm pre preparing for, for snow. And so that's kind of the equivalent here. Like, it doesn't necessarily make sense sometimes. We don't know why God could be revealing this to me, but... But he is, and so what is my position? I'm listening. Sometimes we know exactly why God is revealing something to us because we come into an environment like this today and we know exactly what's going on in our life that's not healthy, that needs to be addressed in our life. It could make a whole lot of sense sometimes when we start hearing from God. But Noah models the position. God, I, I'm listening. You're giving me framework. You're giving me plans. You're giving me instructions. God says, yes, that's right. Don't ask questions. Just keep listening as I'm revealing. Let me pause now right here and say how important this is on the spiritual journey for you to continue to keep hearing from God. Because we live in a culture today that like when we walk out, like you're getting right now for an undivided period of time, you know, a revealing from, from, from the word of God. And that's important. But when you walk out of here, the, 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 the voices of the world, the flesh, Satan, like it is so loud 
you know, satisfy, take care of yourself, do whatever you want, do whatever makes you feel better, uh, do your own path, don't trust God, the enemy speaks, and, and more than ever before, like the voices are so loud against the things of God, and if you are going to combat that, like if we put it on a scale of 50-50, right, you need to be hearing from God way more than you're hearing from the things of the world, and the only way to do that is to position yourself consistently in a pattern over and over to keep hearing, hearing from God, hearing his voice. It says this in Psalm 36 in verse 1, sin whispers to the wicked deep within their hearts. We say, I'm not, I'm not the wicked. I, I, I don't know. I get, he, sin whispers and who do you listen to? When sin whispers, do you, do, do you listen and pay attention to God's voice or the other voices that are out there? These people, they have no fear of God at all, really. In their blind conceit, they cannot see how wicked they really are. Sin whispers constantly throughout our lives. We walk out of this place and take care of yourself and just only worry about you and you. It's all about you and selfishness and desires and follow through on what you want. And we give, we lend ear to that voice. Oftentimes today, believers, way more than we're lending an ear to the voice of God. And so we have to decide how serious we're gonna take continually being in position to hear what he wants for our lives. It goes on in verse 17. It says, I'm going to bring floodwaters on the earth, Noah, to destroy all life under the heavens. Every creature that has the breath of life in it, everything on the earth will perish, but I will establish my covenant with you. You will enter the ark and your sons and, and, and your wife and your sons and their wives are going to go with you. You're going to bring into the ark two of all living creatures. You're going to bring male and female to keep them alive with you. And now if I'm here, I'm hearing, if I'm Noah, I'm hearing from God. It's getting a little more strange because I get it. We're going to, okay, I, we're going to build a boat and, and I get it. We need to put our people on it. But now we're getting into the animals and I don't really know how you do that sometimes, like, how do you tell a male frog from a female frog? Like, I, what, like now I'm being tasked with some really interesting stuff here, and, and yet the position of Noah is, uh, I'm still listening. I could share it with you on a weekend like this. I could say, man, God is revealing a change for your life, and there's, there, there's things he, he's trying to show you, and you could freshly come right back at me and say, I, I don't think God knows my situation. I, I, I don't, this sounds crazy. I, he wants me to do what? He, he wants me to make what change? He wants me to honor him what way? Like that doesn't even seem real. That doesn't seem possible. And we start questioning. And before we can ever get to the next step that I'm about to share with you, we've already dismissed it because we just don't think it makes any sense or it doesn't seem to, to be possible. How will God provide? How will he deliver? It goes on in verse 20. It says, Here's where we're going to take two of every kind of bird and every kind of animal and every kind of creature that moves along the ground, and they're going to come with you to be kept alive. I'm just asking you to listen. I'm asking you to pay attention to the instruction that I'm giving you. What are some ways that you can be in position to continually hear from God? It's basic, but let's just, let's just talk about it for a minute. I mentioned earlier consistent prayer life. If you're a believer in Christ, you have you have access to God, to have what is dialogue, a communication with God. That's what prayer is. If you're a believer in Christ, 
uh, you should certainly want to be studying his word where God continually is revealing through his word instructions for us personally. God is able to use that word to get personal in our, our lives through Bible reading, through Bible studies. I'm going to make sure that on top of my prayer and on top of my individual Bible reading, I'm in Bible studies around other believers. We're studying topics. Uh, we did that starting this week at our church. We do a thing called groups. How was your group this week? I hope you were in your group. And, and maybe you missed it. You know what? Maybe you're like, oh my gosh, I forgot to be to go sign up for that group or whatever. Great news, this was kind of an introductory week at all of our, our, our settings that we had. You can start this coming week and make sure you're involved in a group. How, how do you do that? You're going to do that by, by going to our information desk down the hall on the left-hand side. They got catalogs. You can pick your group. We had several people saying, oh, I got to pick my my group, and so they're getting signed up. You can go online to our website. You can use our app as well, and you can get uh, to be a part of one of our groups. And then, of course, attending church is, is another way to continue to be hearing uh, from God. And it's certainly not our only way, but it's another addition to this process of the words going forth from the stage, and I'm hearing from God. Here's the second thing in the pattern. So now I'm, I'm positioning to hear from God. Here's the next thing. Now I'm going to do what he says. And if the first challenge wasn't hard enough to make sure you're consistently hearing from God, this is where it gets really difficult because the problem is you and I struggle to submit to authority. We just do. How do I know that? I know that just from people here in this audience. When the parking team asks you to park in a certain place, you tell them no. You're just like, stick it, man. I got my own thing going on here. I don't listen to authority. And I get it. Like, and I've been there. So I don't want to be like pointing fingers because, I mean, I, many times in my life where I'm like, I don't want to hear what it is you have to say. And growing up when you're young, you know, your mom and your dad, you hear them. And you don't want to listen or submit to authority. You know, maybe a friend today, you're older, you're an adult. A friend starts giving you advice about some changes you need to make or your wife or your husband. And like, we don't want to hear that. You know, a pastor shares something or the doctor says, here's a change you need to make in your life with your health, physically, the things you're eating, exercise, you don't want to do it. And I get it. And I think yet there are many Christians and they're really missing out on maturity because God gives them not only an instruction to hear, but then asks them to follow through and they just don't. They don't. Like, right, like one of the, things I said last week is there are many people, uh, your financial situation is the same, 2019, 2020, 2021, 22, 20, here it's still it's kind of the same, or the last few years, and you enter this year with sort of the same financial situation, and so I was just sharing like, hey, maybe that's a change you want to make in the way you operate in your, in your finances, and if I start talking about, let's say, that topic alone right here from the stage, there is tremendous pushback. Don't tell me what to do with my money. You know, and I'm, it's God. It's not, it's not really me, but I'll start sharing. Hey, you know, you know God's word long before anybody came up with a budget. God said, have a budget. And God said, don't get into debt. And God said, build a savings account for the future. And God said, honor him financially and begin to discover, like, you know, I have to live paycheck to paycheck. And I start talking about that. And there's people go, oh, don't, right. We, we don't want to be, we don't want to, we just don't. And that's an L, just so you know. That stuff about money in the Bible, that's elementary teaching. It's just elementary. And yet even on elementary things, we push back and say, I 
don't want. It could be financial. It could be anything. And, and we just say, don't tell me, don't tell me what to go, what to do. And and yet, if we're going to experience maturity, we have to hear from God and follow through. Verse twenty-two, it says this. This is important. It says, Noah did. Here's the next word here. Noah did what? Everything just as God commanded him. Listen. This is exactly where you want to be as a Christ follower right now. In the position that says, I am going to do everything that God commands me to do. This is the right and proper position of worship for a God who has forgiven you of your sin and said you have an eternity in heaven. God, I am ready to be in position to do whatever you ask me to do. It goes on in Genesis chapter 7 and verse 1. The Lord then said to Noah, here's what you're going to do. You're going to go into the ark, you and your whole family, because I have found you, it's important, righteous in this generation. Take with you seven of every clean animal, male and its mate, and two of every kind of unclean animal, male and its mate, and also seven of every kind of bird, male and female, uh, to keep uh, their various kinds alive throughout the earth. Seven days from now, I'm going to send rain on the earth for 40 days and 40 nights, and I'm going to wipe the face of the earth every living creature that I have made. And then here it is again, the next line, Noah did, what's the next word? Noah did all that the Lord commanded him. Can I ask you, can God trust you with what he's asking you to do? Can you be trusted? Remember, when you come to know Christ, you have connection with God and you have access to the heavenly realms. Like you, you got keys to some big things. What do you do? Because God is now trusting you to advance his cause. He's trusting you to advance personally and to advance his cause here on the planet. Can he trust you with what he asks? When God says, hey, that woman that you're sleeping with is that man that you're, they're not your spouse. Stop it. Knock it off. What do you do? Do you trust, can God, can you be trusted with his commands and, and your response to that? When, when God says, hey, you're bitter, you're hurting, you're bitter on the inside, you need to move on to, to, to forgiveness and begin that process of forgiveness, not for the other person, but for you, because it's eating you up on the inside. When God commands that of you, what do you do? When God says the way that you talk, the way you tear people down, the words that come out of your mouth, the, the, the way you use the Lord's name in vain, like so it's, it's unhealthy and it's a product of your heart and you need to do something about that. Can you be trusted to take the next step? When God says, hey, you're a new believer in Christ, Jesus says, when you, you're, you're a new believer, here's what you do. Your next step is you be baptized. Can he trust you to be baptized? And there are some of you, like, that hasn't happened. And you've maybe put it off for a long time. We do have a baptism next week right here at the church. And we'll have, right after this service, you'd like to come to 11 o'clock, right after this service, there'll be tanks down here in the front, and you can come right on down and be baptized, because now you're a believer in Christ. And Jesus said, I want, want you to show others, to testify that you are now a believer in Christ. And baptism, that's one thing baptism absolutely can be. Do you need to be baptized on, on your card? If you know it's time, you're a believer in Christ, you've never been baptized, would you circle on the back of your card that word baptism, that little card you got when you came in? Just write baptism really big, circle it, drop it in the bucket, and if you give us good contact information, we'll tell you about the baptism that's taking place next week so you can have all the information that you need. Let's just say 
let's just say you're an investor of the things of God. You're being entrusted at investor level. Like, okay, if, if let's just say this. If I ask you, I say, hey, I've got some money I need you to invest and take care of for me. If I gave that to you, what do I expect? I expect that you can be trusted with that which I am asking of you. And if I call you a week later and I say, hey, how are you doing with that which I entrusted you with? And you say, well, we bought a car with it. And uh, we're, you know, we're out here partying and having a good time with it. And, and uh, we bought season tickets with it. And, and now, and in the, in the, I'm going to say, I'm, I can't trust you. And so I think God wants to trust us with more. He wants to reveal more to us. He has more action steps for us to take, but, but we have to start doing well with a little. Start the first step and the next step. And, and then God starts to show us and reveal us more so we can advance more on into maturity. Genesis 7, 11 and 12, it says, In the 600th year of Noah's life, and on the 17th day of the second month, on that day, all the spring of the great deep burst forth, and the floodgates of heaven were opened, and the rain fell on the earth 40 days and 40 nights. Noah is going to be spared while this flood happens. And Noah is spared. Why? Because he, he falls under this level of, of protection that we can advance forward in the year 2024 and understand that that as I'm seeking God, I, there's, a, there's a different thing that begins to take place of a covering. Noah's decided to walk under the covering of God by maturing and growing, by being a hearer, but also a doer of the word. And here's the last thing I put in your notes, uh, the last section, is to see who he really is. You see, once... You start following God's plans and you begin to experience him delivering you. Uh, you, you need to recognize uh, what an amazing God that we, that we have. And, and I think that, that's important. I'm going to get into that here in just a second. I do want to pause and just say there are some of you seated here right now and you can articulate a time where you heard from God and you have been taking the steps that God has asked you to take and you're wondering, when will the delivery happen? And, and I get that, because and God's ways are not your ways and my ways, and, and, and his thoughts are not my thoughts or your thoughts, and so he delivers on different timetables sometimes than we want, but it could be an occasion where there is somebody here that says, yeah, I have taken the steps, and I am continuing to take the steps, and pastor, I'm waiting, and I wonder, maybe God forgot about me. And I want to I say to you, he, he hasn't forgotten about you. He's not like earthly People, like, have you have you ever left somebody at a place and had to go back and get them? Have you? I, in fact, don't put your hands up because some of you it was your kids, and I don't want to call anybody. So I'm just like, man. But I, I've done it, you know. Like I have, I have done it, and and I even said a few years ago, like I, I did leave my kids at a place once, and so I, I I've done it. And 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 you know that's a, always a tough moment for the person who's been left behind because you're like, how could you do that to me? I can assure you today that if you're Following God, like if you've if been on a journey and you're wondering and you're waiting, he hasn't forgotten about you. He knows the journey that you're on. And it says this in Genesis 8, 1. But God remembered Noah and all the wild animals and the livestock that were with him, the ark, and he sent the wind over the earth and the waters receded. Noah is going to survive this storm come out on the other side because of his journey 
with God. And, and so then it goes on in verse 15. Then God said to Noah, come on out of the ark, you and your wife and your sons and their wives, bring out every kind of living creature that is with you, the birds, the animals, the creatures that move along the ground, and they can multiply on the earth, be fruitful and increase in number upon it. And so Noah came out together with his sons and his wife and his sons' wives and all the animals and all the creatures that move along the ground and all the birds and everything that moves on the earth came out of the ark, one kind after another. And in the response for God delivering Noah, he takes the final step, and here it is in your notes in verse 20. Then Noah built an altar to the Lord. That's big. He's like, I see who you are, God. You're an amazing God. What is he doing here? He's going to build an altar for the Lord to sacrifice. He's going to, he's going to sacrifice during that time. He could have, could have killed something as a sacrifice, could have, could have burned something as a, as a sacrifice, and, and, and you'd bring it before God, like, I am offering you this as, as an act of worship to you, God. It goes on and says this, and taking some of all the clean animals and clean birds, he sacrificed burnt offerings on the altar. Don't, don't miss this. It was clean. It was a clean sacrifice. During, okay, this text that I'm reading to you was written for a Jewish audience. It's a part of the first five books of the Bible, which is known as the Torah, and that means that uh, this communication is important about clean and unclean. Jewish people would eat what? Clean or unclean? Clean. And in this moment, the thing that is only left available for a Jewish person to eat, he takes it and brings it to the altar as a sacrifice. Think about that. Like, they got to live on these clean animals that are left now. And now he takes that clean, that which is clean, and brings it before God. And what is Noah doing here in response to God delivering him? He's saying, God, I see you, and you are worthy of the best. I'm not giving you the unclean. I'm not giving you the leftover in my life. I'm bringing you the first. I'm bringing you the best. And I'm laying it before the altar to honor you, God, because I see how amazing you are, and this is my act of worship to you. Let me remind you in 2024... The first is still the best. The first of your time, giving it to God. The first of your talent. The first of your treasure. Leftovers are not the best. The unclean is not the best. We worship God with the very best that we have because God, you are a delivering God. You are a God that when we follow you, you will advance us on into maturity. Noah hears the word does the word, sees God deliver and says, God, I just want to recognize how amazing you are. It goes on in the scriptures and says this, the Lord smelled the pleasing aroma and said in his heart, never again will I curse the ground because of man, even though every inclination of his heart is evil from childhood and never again will I destroy all living creatures as I have done. Genesis 9, 1. Then, now finally, the blessing comes. Then God blessed Noah and his sons, saying to them, Be fruitful and increase in number and fill the earth. And here comes the moment where the challenge goes forth. And I ask you, like, have you ever experienced an encounter with God so much so because you heard, because you did, you followed through, and you saw God deliver? Have you ever 
experience what is a supernatural experience of watching God deliver on your behalf. And I say that and ask that because I got to tell you, there are many people here today who are so-called Christians, and they have not. They have not, and it's all about them, and it's all about their consumeristic mentality, and what can God do for me, and, what, and we're not taking the initial steps on the front end to just worship and trust and listen and follow through on the commands. Remember what Jesus said in John 14 and verse 15. He said, if you love me, you will obey what I command. You know how we do it in 2024. Here's what we do. We go, God, I will love you if you deliver something for me first. This is what we do. You know what? I want something to happen, God. And if you, like, uh, my marriage is a mess. And if you will fix my marriage now, then I'll start trusting you more. God, our, our finances are a wreck. And, and I know what God's word says over and over, but, but, but I want you to fix my finances. And then I'm going to start trusting you. And my family member is ill and God, if you will heal them first, then I will trust you. And God's going, uh, hey, that's not how it works, man. You come right out of the gate and you start trusting and saying, God, I'm ready to begin this journey. I want to hear from you. And, and the scriptures tell us that the more and more you do this and the more and more you follow through and the more and more God delivers, the more and more you encounter God, you just say, God, I want more of that. I, I can tell you from the very first time I encountered God in my life when I said yes to Jesus Christ, I can remember my posture was, God, I don't want to be the same any longer. Like change me completely from the inside out. I, I want to grow on into maturity. I want to continue to move ahead. I wrote this in your notes. When you encounter God, you will be forever ruined. You ought to be. God, I want more. I want to change. I want to grow. I don't want to stay the same any longer. You have done this in me. I've been, I said yes to, to your son, Jesus Christ, and the forgiveness of sin just washed over me. And now I've had that encounter with you, and I don't want to be that old person any longer. I want to be in position to continue to hear from you, to do your word, and to honor you for delivering. I want to be in that pattern, that flow. Isaiah said this as he encountered God. Don't miss this. It says this, in the year that King Uzziah died, I saw the Lord seated on the throne, high and exalted, and the train of his robe filled the temple. Above him were seraphs, each with six wings. Two wings, they covered their faces. Two wings covered their feet. Two, uh, two were, they were flying and they were calling to one another. Holy, holy, holy is the Lord Almighty. The whole earth is filled with his glory. And at the sound of their voices, the doorposts and the threshold shook. And the temple of the Lord was filled with smoke. It's this encounter with God. And what does that encounter do to Isaiah? Woe to me, I cried. I am ruined. For I am a man of unclean lips, and I live among a people of unclean lips, and my eyes have seen the King, the Lord Almighty. I am totally ruined. I'm encountering God, and the more I encounter God, the more I say, whatever that old self was, I'm not going to be that. I'm not going to be stuck in that way. And even in the elementary phases of my faith, I don't want that either. God, you are a deliverer, and so I want to keep experiencing that. I'm not going back to normal. I'm not going back to basic. I'm not staying average. God, you are going to continue to advance me. And what is Isaiah's response to the power of God? Isaiah 6, 8, then I heard the voice of the Lord saying, whom shall I send? And who will go for us? And I said, here I am. Send me. What was Isaiah's response as he encountered God? 
let's go. What's next? Let's keep going. Advance me even more. I'm here. I'm ready. Take me, send me, wherever we're going, God, I'm ready. It's a choice that you and I have to make to be in this pattern of maturity or not. And if you don't want to as a believer, I suppose that could be your choice. You're, you're missing out on so much. Honestly, if you want to stay elementary, and you can have then an elementary marriage. And if you want to stay elementary, you can have elementary finances. And if you want to stay elementary, you can have an elementary job, an elementary business with elementary wages, elementary life, or you can put yourself in a position to consistently hear from God and do what he says and see him for the God that he is over and over again as we mature on, as we draw air in our lungs on this side of eternity. Let me pray for you as we finish out our time together. God, you are, just as we've been praying in this series, you are revealing uh, to everybody on an individual basis a next step. And we never stop maturing and we never stop growing. And we, so we just keep on moving ahead. And there may be somebody here that you, you, you felt like at some point you, you are the example of maturity and there's no more to go. And yet I hope God is just pressing on your heart that that's a lie of the enemy. There's more, there's more to come. There are others of you, you're, you're early on or new in, in the faith and, and, and God is saying, hey, now I've got something more. There's a part of your life I, I, I want to get a hold of. There, there's an area of your life I want to I keep working in. There's something that still needs to change, and you're just submitting it before God and say, God, I'm ready here. I'm ready to do. I'm, I'm ready, God. And then maybe there's others, and there's a large crowd here, so I imagine this is the case. But last week, over 20 people were in this position. They, it said, I, I, I cannot live apart from God any longer. And, and there are some of you here, that is your story. You are... You are apart from God, and, and, and God wants a relationship with you so bad that he gave his one and only son for you, but you have to choose that relationship. And then God says, and all the things the pastor talked about today are available unto you, but you must decide to first have a relationship with me, and if you've never received the forgiveness of God, you do not have a relationship with him. The Bible says that only forgiven people of their sin have a relationship with God, and God said, yeah, that altar, that place of sacrifice, I placed my one and only son, Jesus, there for all of humanity. One final sacrifice for the forgiveness of sin so that humanity could have a relationship with God, worship him, experience him. Maybe some of you are in that place today where you just need to say yes to God's one and only son. You can do it right where you're seated. God, forgive me of my sin. Wash me clean. I'm ready for what's next. I'm ready for what's new. God, I don't want to be that old self any longer. God, ruin that old way of living. Bring something new into my, my life. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.